Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. As we continue to be in a season of grief and mourning, Pastor Myron shares a message titled, Four Things I Know For Sure, from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 4. Dear friends, would you pray with me? Kind Father, with our hearts overwhelming with sorrow, you've been merciful to us this morning. Your presence has been rich and real. We're deeply grateful. As we continue now to worship, to seek your face, we pray that from the word of God, by your Holy Spirit, present within your people, and at work and present manifestly in our midst this morning, that spirit of the living God, you would use the scriptures to bring hope and comfort to the hearts of your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been reflecting this week on a fellow who lived a long time ago. And from his own personal experience of profound grief, he had some tough questions and tough statements for God. On one occasion, he asked God pointedly, God, why have you made me your target? On another occasion, from a heart of profound anguish, he said, I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer me. The person behind those and many other similar words in the Bible is a fellow from the Old Testament by the name of Job. In these days, we've wrestled with such deep and overwhelming emotions since we learned of the terrible tragedy on Friday, July the 28th, we have struggled with feelings of disbelief and shock and numbness. Surely, oh God, this cannot be real. And our hearts have wrestled with overwhelming sorrow and for our dear friends, families from our church family who have experienced such excruciating loss, how we have wept for them and we have prayed. And we've wrestled with feelings of guilt and we've wrestled with anger and all kinds of emotions and oh, the questions. We've all had some questions. We would say, God, we truly believe and confess that you're in charge. So that airplane, that Friday, why? And Father God, those six young men, all followers of Jesus, all dearly loved by their families, by fiancés, by wives, by children, by siblings, by parents, loved by us, all passionate followers of Jesus, a whole lifetime ahead of them to serve your kingdom, all eager to let other people know of the name of Jesus and how he brings hope to the lives of all who will seek him. And in a moment, they're taken from us and they're hurled into eternity. And I say, God, I do not understand that. God, I can't come close to getting that. So many questions so few answers. So friends, I invite you in the moments that are before us to take a journey with me. 
There are so many things we don't understand, so many things for which answers are not forthcoming. But let's take a journey together this morning to reflect on some things that we do understand. And let's reflect this morning on four things we know for sure. Four things that we know for sure. Simply listen as I read to you the Word of God from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 4. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, to our grieving families, to our grieving harvest family. How many times this week, your elders, your staff, and so many of you have we prayed, O Lord Jesus, grace and peace in your mighty name over those who are brokenhearted. And then these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Those two verses, 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Spirit of God, through the writings of the Apostle Paul, reminds us of four things that we know for sure. And here's the first. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Our God is the only wise God. He is high and exalted. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul would say this of the Lord our God. He's the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. The prophet Isaiah, in envisioning that day when the herald would proclaim the goodness of the Messiah... He also saw that herald declaring, remember everybody, your God reigns. Our God does reign. He is holy. He is just. He is righteous. He is good. He is filled with mercy and compassion. And he's sovereign. And that one pushes our buttons a little bit this week. And I don't have any answers. But I do know this. The Lord is God. And he is our God. And our God lives. And our God loves. Our God knows pain. He sent his only son, the Lord Jesus, into this broken and sinful world to give his life to an excruciating death on the cross to pay for our sins so that anyone who would confess and turn from their sin and turn in faith to Jesus as the only one who could rescue them from their sins and lead them, such a one would be forgiven. God would come to indwell by his spirit them personally. And he would lead them and one day take them to be with him in heaven. This is the Lord our God. The Lord is God. He is the most high. He lives and he loves. Now, there's a guy that you've likely never heard of, but you've probably heard him. His name is Thurl Ravenscroft. Probably never heard of the guy, but you've heard him. 
in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the best one, the animated version, the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, he sings that with his classic bass pipes. But he's probably more famous for two words that he uttered. He voiced over on a commercial that was on TV for years and years and years. And Thurl voiced over Tony the Tiger with reflect, respect to Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. And so he would say, they're great. Now, I don't have the bass pipes that he has to do that. I have Frosted Flakes every once in a while. I mean, they're okay. But they're great. Not so much. In this world, superlatives are tossed around so flippantly. But friends, there is one who is truly great. And this is the Lord our God. He lives and he loves so, friends, in these days of brokenness, of woundedness, let's press into the Lord our God. Let's bring to him all of our emotions, all of our hard questions, all of our hard comments, our weeping, our sorrow, our mourning, even our anger. Let's press into God. Let's bring it all to him. He can take it. He will receive it. And because he lives and loves, he's the Lord God Almighty. As we lift our hearts to him, but ministers to us, sustaining grace and reassurance and hope. So that's the first thing we know for sure. The Lord is God. Here's the second thing we know. The Lord is Father. Our God is a Father. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not hear what Paul is not saying. The Scriptures there is not saying that Jesus was created or somehow he's something less than capital G God. That's not the case at all. Elsewhere in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, the Apostle Paul would write, For God was pleased to have all the fullness of the deity dwell in him. That's in Jesus. In other words, everything that makes God God is in Jesus. He is the King eternal. Our Lord Jesus Christ. What the Spirit of God through the writings of Paul is reminding us of here is something wonderful and beautiful and intimate and powerful about Almighty God. And that's this. He has a Father's heart. He's a dad. He is the heart of a parent. Elsewhere, Paul would say, we cry out to our Father God, Abba, Papa God, our Papa God in heaven. This is who the Lord is to us. We know this for sure from the word of God. The Lord is God most high, and the Lord is the Father. Now, my dad, Neil, is a very gentle soul. He's not an aggressive person. He's not a fighter at all. His bark is way worse than his bite, which is why this moment that happened when I was 18 years old makes me smile, and I will never forget it. Our Lethbridge church was playing a floor hockey game against another Lethbridge church. You know where that very quickly goes. It got chippy very quickly. And there was a big guy on the other team 
who is kind of running roughshod over our guys. Whatever. Then Mr. Big took a run at me. Again, I didn't think too much of it. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw Neil running across the gym floor. And I watched my dad run up behind Mr. Big and cross-check him in the small of the back, sending him reeling. And Mr. Big stood up and he wheeled around just in time to catch my dad's second cross-check right under his chin. That is the one and only time in my life I have ever seen my father do something like that. And of course, mom would find out and she would say, Oh, Neil, I'm so embarrassed in a church. I smile when I think about that, but it was a big moment in my life when I was 18 because it told me in no uncertain terms, Your dad is for you. Your father's in your corner. You can count on that going forward. What does Paul say in Romans 8, verse 31? God, dear friends, your father, he is for you. Notice that Paul doesn't say at some point in the past, God was for you. He doesn't say that at some point in the future, God might be for you. Paul says right now, dear friends... In our moment of heartbreak, in our moment of overwhelming sorrow, the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present God of glory, he is for you right now. Amen? He is in your corner. He's at work in these sorrowful days of profound grieving. To walk with us, to be there for us in ways that we may be aware of and in tons of ways that we don't even perceive. But this we know for sure from the Word of God our Lord is a Father and He is for us. Here's something else. Hear these words of Jesus. He's praying to the Father and He prays these words in John 17, verse 26. He says, Father God, I have made you known to them, his followers, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Our Heavenly Father loves each one of us as he loves his own Son, and he is for us. Here's the third thing we know for sure. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is compassionate. The third verse says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. The Lord is compassion. The word compassion there literally means mercy. Our God is the Father of compassion and mercy. He's the originator of the ministries of compassion and mercy. They emanate from the very heart of God. And what is mercy? The Bible says to us that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul would say, think about this, while we were still sinners, when we were living in open rebellion towards God, when we didn't care about Him, 
He demonstrates his love for us in this. Christ Jesus gave his life for us. This is the mercy, the love, the grace of God. And mercy, compassion. Those ministries originate with God. There was a fellow in the first century. He was a Roman orator and a writer and a philosopher, Gaius Plinius Secundus. In history, he's come to be known as Pliny the Elder. One day in conversation and debate, he said something which was kind of reflective of the era in which he lived in terms of people's take on God. And of course, in the Roman way, in that era of perceiving things, there were a pantheon of gods. This is what Pliny the Elder said. He said, when we're talking about God or gods, he said, a supreme being, whatever it be, who pays heed to human affairs is a ridiculous notion. In their world, the pantheon of gods, about the best you could hope to do would be to appease them, to just keep them out of your world. I think there's a similar sentiment in our world, and it would be something like this. If there is a God somewhere, I'm sure that him helping me out today, one of seven billion people on planet Earth is not exactly on his to-do list. Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Our God is the Father of all compassion. This is who the Lord is. And our God knows that in this broken world, in this fallen world, his people are going to be confronted with hard, painful, difficult, impossible things. And so God has taken it upon himself. He's put it into his job description. That one's going to be mine. This is where it will originate. I will be to my people the father of all compassion and mercy. And when they cry out in their brokenness, I will hear them. And from my heart, I will minister to them supernatural, sustaining peace and compassion. This is the Lord our God. So friends, may I ask of us in these days that we pray along the lines of our Nigerian brothers and sisters. And they always challenge me in this regard. They remind God of who he is and what he says he will do. And then they will say, okay, God, you said it. Now we are expecting you to do absolutely nothing less. So in faith together before our God, let's remind our God in prayers this week for our grieving families, for our broken church family, that God, this is who you say you are. You're the father of compassion. It originates with you. And compassion is what you say you do. So, Father God, we are humbly reminding you of who you are and what you say you will do, and we are desperate in these days for these things. Father God, we are absolutely counting on you to be and to do everything that you say that you will, for you are the Father of compassion. Here's one more thing that we know about God. The Lord is God. The Lord is the Father. He's the Lord of compassion. And the Lord is comforter.
The Lord is comforter. Here again the verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Focus on that word comfort. In culture, when we think of comfort, we kind of think of those things that ease stress or help us to chill out a little bit, so comfort food, or someone comes along and they say, you know, hang in there, everything's going to be okay. But biblical comfort is so different than that. Our English word comfort actually derives from a Latin word, and the Latin word is fortis, and that word means strength. Strength. So in culture... Comfort is about helping us to feel better. Biblical comfort. Comfort that comes to us from the mercy of our God is not so much about us feeling better. It's about us, by the strength and grace of God, feeling stronger. So that today, when we don't think we can do it, by the comfort, that is the strength of Almighty God, we can put one foot in front of the other. Here's another thing about that word comfort, and Pastor Jalen alluded to it just moments ago with the children. The word conveys the idea of to come alongside. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the blessed spirit of the living God, is called the comforter. So how we pray for our dear grieving families and for all of us, And how in faith we choose to receive in these days the special ministry of the Comforter, the Spirit of the living God who is surely at work in our midst, drawing alongside God's precious and broken people. And it's the Spirit of the living God then who strengthens us in our inward person so that we can make it today moment by moment, and hour by hour. And in this regard, I say, oh, Father, in your mercy, please, with a fresh baptism, pour your spirit upon your people to come alongside in comfort. Now, I have had most mornings this week when I have awakened, my awakening has immediately been accompanied by weeping. And I've thought of our dear friends. And I've thought of those six young men. And I walk past Pastor Luke's office every day. And I've thought of you. And the tears just come. Perhaps you can identify. Throughout this day and tomorrow morning... When we wake up, and maybe there will be tears, and we will say to ourselves, oh my goodness, I cannot do this today. In those moments, let's remember four things we know for sure. The Lord is God. and He's great. And the Lord is our Father. And He is for us. And the Lord is compassion. And mercy, it's who he is. It's what he does. And we'll count on him to be that for us. 
and our Lord is comfort. And comfort, biblically, is strength. Strength for the day that is hand at hand. Dear Harvest family, from grace and from me, how dearly we love you and how earnestly we pray in these days that Almighty God will do for us what he alone can do. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. Our hearts are broken. We are grieving. We can rest and we can trust that Jesus Christ remains the same no matter our circumstances. We are grateful that our Lord and Savior is always with us, and he provides peace and comfort in the midst of life's storms. As we are experiencing challenges and hardships, if you'd like prayer for anything, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhachurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, church, C-H-U-R-C-H.com. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you to help you experience the love that is available to us in and through Christ Jesus. Any support, encouragements, or resources we can offer, please reach out. Now these words from Ephesians 3. I pray that God, from his glorious, unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit, and Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him and in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.